This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild. From the ashes of that great conflict... A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The league is unlimited. Original series starring every superhero worth cheering for at Benside. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to episode 253 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we are finishing up our latest uh, month of Justice League and JLU reviews, and my goodness, do we have just an absolute uh, an absolute corker here to, to, uh, to finish off the month, an absolute uh, stone-cold classic, as they might say. Uh, with this week's episode as we delve deeper and deeper into this Cadmus arc. That is right, Liam. And uh, boy, it's uh, we are in the home stretch here, believe it or not, with the with the Cadmus arc. It's uh, started off uh, quite quite a while ago on here on the episodes that we've covered, probably at least over a year timeline wise, if not two years. So uh, we are in the home stretch here and uh, it is, uh, boy, things are ramping up and boy, what a cliffhanger we have with this one. It is uh, the episode, of course, question authority is what we are discussing today. And, um, you know, we talked about last week. If you didn't didn't listen to last week's episode, highly encourage you to go back and listen to it in the archives, whether at uh, DCAUReview.com or on your favorite podcast app or the Pod Tower on YouTube. But uh, wherever you listen to a, your podcast, check out that episode if you didn't, because, man, we had so much fun talking about what an incredibly well-written episode it was and the layers of commentary and application that can be had with with everything that went into that episode. And I, I believe we'll probably have as much, if not more, to talk about this week as we talk about uh, the, the additional layers and just tremendous writing i mean how many home runs can one guy hit <laughs> dwayne mcduffie the late great dwayne mcduffie man he was he was his pen you know that that gif of the guy writing and his like his pen is on fire mm-hmm. like that's that's exactly what was happening to dwayne mcduffie right here like this is <laughs> definitely the the pen on fire meme like just absolutely, absolutely burner after burner 
Absolutely. So we're, we're going to get into this episode question authority today. Can't wait to do so. But first, of course, Cal, we must get the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. And that synopsis is brought to you by the Pod Tower YouTube channel, where you can not hear not only our DCAU episode reviews, as well as comic books in every, every episode that we do, but you can also hear content from the Watchtower database, as well as the archives of the Tim Talk show as well. So lots of great content up there on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. And uh, without any further ado, Cal, it's time for the official IMDb synopsis that is right after you hit us with that air date. That is right, Liam. This original air date for this episode here in the States was on the Cartoon Network. Boy, I miss you, Cartoon Network. Back (laughs) on June the 25th, 2005, meaning once again, we are getting ready to come up on the 18-year anniversary of this episode's debut on broadcast television. Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for Question Authority, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie, directed by Dan Reba, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by Dong Wu. And that synopsis reads as such. The Question, fearing disaster, decides to kill Lex Luthor to avert it. (laughs) Well... I mean, they didn't do much to to discuss the actual plot there. So Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know how much of a plot synopsis that is. That (laughs) is certainly something that happens within the plot. But I don't think that it is a a well-rounded synopsis. But, uh, you know, I I guess it would would probably get like a maybe like a C minus D plus because it does cover (laughs) something that happens. It's not it's not infactual. It's Mm -hmm. not for a different episode as we've had in the past. But it really doesn't. It's bare minimum. It doesn't doesn't do not a lot of effort put into that one. Totally agree. So, yeah, it does cover one of the big plot points, but not in uh, in enough detail uh, for for our satisfaction. A satisfaction so once again imdb synopsis writer please see us after class <laughs> uh, but without further ado uh, we will get started with our brief plot synopsis as we give our thoughts here and it's a it's a fun kind of cold open to this episode we have a uh, one of the new gods or one of the apocalypse uh, characters that we somehow have never seen with all this fourth world stuff that they had uh, gotten into between superman and uh, and justice league and jlu we had never gotten uh, the character Mantis on screen before, and we see him just wrecking shop as in uh, in Metropolis, as we see Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen looking on, and uh, Superman and Captain Adam show up to save the day, and uh, after a fight, which I'm sure we'll talk more about in Visuals Cal, they are just able to defeat Mantis, uh, thanks to uh, Captain Adam and uh, and Superman's quick thinking as they activate Mantis's boom tube and send him tunneling through the wormhole but of course hold on to the mother box so that he can't come back and as uh, captain adam and superman are kind of commiserating over the uh, over the situation we see lois lane uh, literally sliding into frame sliding <laughs> sliding down the wreckage and uh, into sliding into superman's dms that's right <laughs> as uh... <laughs> I think we should clip that out. That needs to go on the uh, the social media this week. Sliding Agreed. into the DMs like and <laughs> yes. sliding down, <laughs> sliding down the escalator uh, railing. Absolutely, I love that. Uh, but yes, we have a uh, we have Lois sort of 
it seems like she's there in her official capacity as a reporter, but very quickly uh, it's made to be clear that Captain Adam is a bit of a third wheel to this conversation as uh, clearly Lois and Superman have made other plans. And so Captain Adam excuses himself as uh, Superman and Lois uh, make a bit of small talk before flying off to go on their date. Superman! Lois Lane, Daily Planet. Yeah, Lois, I know. Would you care to comment on what just happened here? I'd like an interview. One-on-one. I'm pretty sure there's something I have to do someplace. You're late. I was busy. Like I wasn't. But I've already written the story up and filed it. So now that we're both off the clock... Captain Adams. Captain Nathaniel Adams. General Eiling, sir. What brings you to... What's this? Orders. Your commission has been reactivated. You're back in the Air Force. I'm committed to the Justice League now, sir. You also made a commitment to the service, Captain. Seems to me you've got a decision to make. Uh, And uh, we cut to see Captain Adam flying off, having saved the day, but... Then we hear a voice calling out to him, and it's none other than the returning General Eiling, who has uh, has some uh, has an interesting proposal for him, as he uh, as he tells him that uh, they are reinstating him into the U.S. Air Force, which of course he had had to uh, leave after the experiment that turned him into Captain Adams. So they're sort of, uh, as we'll come to find out, uh, they're sort of playing on the. The, uh, the the deep patriotism and, and pride that uh, that the Captain Adam takes in on his service. And that's kind of our time being cliffhanger is uh, as Eiling hands him his papers and tells him he's got a decision to make. Does he want to be the be with the Justice League or uh, or come back and uh, and join the uh, the 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 side of the angels, quote unquote, with uh, with the U.S. Air Force uh, reinstating him? So. There after our credit sequence, we have a uh, Superman and Lois on on a picnic, a, mm-hmm. uh, on the on the top of a bridge, as uh, as he rolls out his uh, her food, which I I just love the food. It's like it's like a, a turkey leg <laughs> and some grapes and orange soda. Like what and celery? He's got celery there too. <laughs> I was like, is this is this typical like Kansas food? You <laughs> turkey legs, grapes, and celery with orange soda. Uh, yeah and i'm not i'm not personally familiar but hey maybe yeah maybe that was uh maybe that was sunday dinner every week in uh in smallville belongs on the boys who can cook like instagram (laughs) account like the superman got his recipes from there i think (laughs) but yes and uh and as they begin to sort of discuss things uh lois points out kind of the elephant in the room which is that uh superman and by extension the justice league are uh are experiencing quite a bit of bad press recently and it's not and you can tell from lois's tone that it's not really uh, all undeserved in her eyes yeah she goes so far as to say is not only is their their behavior she mentions of course the fight between superman and uh, and captain marvel which of course we discussed last week and the destru- destruction of Lexor City on national television. She also happens to mention the use of the Watchtower as a uh, as a super laser to uh, to destroy what, what were those robot things called? The Dark Heart. The dark Heart. That's right. When they turned the uh, the turn the robots 
the dark heart in the in in the desert. Uh, she mentions that and uh, mentions that people are are very scary uh, or a little bit scared of of the Justice League and that the way that they've been throwing their power around is is uh, is a little bit concerning to even her and Superman very, uh, very sternly, but uh, but uh, kindly says that, well, we uh you know, we're just doing what's best. We uh, we're just making sure that people are safe. And uh, boy, if that doesn't sound like uh, some politician speaking and, uh, <laughs> and Lois, Lois figures that out right away, that that sounds awfully familiar. And she points out to Superman that uh, it sounds a little bit like something that uh, that Lex would say. You remember what happened to your reputation when you were under Darkseid's control. That was years ago. People haven't forgotten. Not everybody. I know. Do you? The way you and the League have been acting lately. Look, I'm a reporter, not a public relations person, but with all the muscle you guys throw around, you're starting to scare me. I'll admit, we got a lot of power, but we only use it to help. Like when you and Captain Marvel wrecked Lexor City on national television? Or maybe you mean when you fired that big space gun in the desert? We come on a little strong sometimes, but it's for the people's own good. That sounds like something Lex would say. Don't even joke about that. I'm nothing like Lex Luthor. Of course you're not. I'm just saying you can't serve the public without their confidence. It's a question of trust. So, what's for dessert? That's right. And <laughs> we should also mention here, I think, that she also reminds uh, Superman and the audience, by extension, uh, of the events of Legacy, the uh, the series finale of Superman, where he was mind-controlled and, uh, you know, nearly nearly took over the planet with, uh, with an apocalyptic army and mentions that that's that's not something that people have forgotten which we will see in, in uncertain terms later in the episode mm-hmm. yeah that's that's not even that's uh that's no minor minor point there is obviously that's where where uh a, a lot of people uh, began to question the authority so to speak hey that's the name of the episode <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Superman is willing to sort of, uh, to, to admit and, uh, uh, that, that the justice league has been coming on a little bit strong recently, but again, uh, he reassures her that it's for the public's own safety. And, um, despite these objections and, and Superman does take offense a little bit to, to her comment about Lex and again, reiterates, he's nothing like Lex and, uh, and Lois also, recognizes that uh, she's just con- showing concern for him and uh, they have a romantic kiss and that's uh, that's kind of where we leave them at that point and uh, we cut over to another DCAU couple uh, probably my favorite couple from the DCAU that being the Huntress and the Question as they themselves are also on a sort of a date as we see the Question sitting at a computer attempting to download some media to a uh, to a hard drive and uh, in the background while this is happening uh, we have the huntress that is there with him supporting him despite again as a reminder to the audience and everyone that she has been removed from the justice league she's no longer a member of the justice league she's there supporting the question uh, you know you gotta you gotta support your romantic partner you know you gotta support them in all their endeavors even if that means breaking into a high tech secret government facility to steal their information. Right. You know, you gotta, you gotta support your stand by your man as the song. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the, the Huntress, as she's taking care of the security guards, uh, we, we 
recognize and and the question uh, acknowledges that the reason true reason he's there is because he believes he's finally found the the connection between Lex Luthor and Project Cadmus which uh, if you recall uh, Batman actually tasked him back uh, mm-hmm. back a few episodes back with with that that task to uh, to find out the connection between the two of them and he believes he's stumbled upon it with this uh, this information that he's grabbed and uh so as as they're leaving <laughs> I love this too. Huntress uh, absconds with the information, demanding that before he reviews any data, that they actually have a, a an actual formal. <laughs> no, no, just beating up security guards while uh, while we review while he reviews the data. You get what you came for. I believe so. If there's a link between Luthor and Cadmus, I'll find it here. Which leaves the rest of our evening tantalizingly free. There are three terabytes of data here. I'll be busy for days. Oh, dinner and a movie. It's a start. So, so much comedy happening. I was going to say, I love, I, that's one of the things that I think maybe coming back to this, I had kind of forgotten, which is that as, as serious and as heady as this episode is, as far as like the topics at hand, mm-hmm. there's some really, really cool and sweet, like character moments between Huntress and question in this episode. And, how much she she very clearly cares for him in this episode and and how you know they they have this very kind of quirky and maybe a bit dysfunctional relationship but that they they clearly do they're they're clearly made for each other <laughs> uh yeah yeah I, I wholeheartedly agree and uh as we as we cut to our next scene lex is actually at cadmus and uh he's there with professor lime hamilton as we uh we <laughs> him last week <laughs> Emil Hamilton's evil twin brother Lime. Mm-hmm. Professor Lime is doing a physical uh with uh with Lex and there's a there's a bit of some dialogue where we learn that Lex is no longer stricken with cancer as we uh we had learned back in the the Justice League episode Injustice for All leading to his ultimate demise as like the businessman and full turn to full-blown supervillain uh and and the reason for the whole green suit thing was designed to keep the the cancer from spreading it was a very iron man-esque style like reason for him to have the armor it's keeping him alive uh but uh professor lime tells him go ahead take that uh take that silly armor off you no longer need it not only do you no longer need it the cancer is gone but you have the body of a 20 year old he says which is <laughs> super creepy mm-hmm. that professor lime very very creepy Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we get a little foreshadowing there. Not not much touched on as to the reason why uh, Lex is taken aback. Not sure. But before we can get too many answers or delve into it any further, uh, of course, we have a uh, someone interrupting the whole scene, which, of course, is Amanda Waller, who is there to uh, to inform not only Lex, but I guess also Professor Lime of the uh, the theft that occurred from Cadmus uh, that may indeed, in fact, implicate Lex and Cadmus being in cahoots together. Uh, she mentions that the IT department was unable to determine what information, in, but uh, they have to believe that it's everything. The jig is up, so to speak. Uh, so we, uh, <laughs> we, we cut back to the question who is, uh, I guess he's, he's had his, his, uh, his formal date with Huntress, but he's back in full costume. He's back in full gear and he's there. Uh, he, he's there kind of going over the data. He's cracked it. And uh, begins reviewing some of the files, and uh, one of the files that he looks at happens to be something that will kind of set him down this path 
that uh, is going to forever change his his outlook on things and and really set us on our course for the rest of the episode. Absolutely. So yeah, we and we don't immediately see what it is, but we see that he's been uh, he's cracks. So he he goes through a list. There's some uh, some fun little uh, Easter eggs among those uh, those things, including. <laughs> They he as he's going through the files, he sees one specifically called President Luthor, and we see that very quickly that it's basically the idea of it being a uh, a what if scenario of how the the intelligence community, Cadmus in this case, sees it going down if if Lex were to win the presidency. And uh, some of the highlights include a uh, Casnia crisis. Uh, one of the one of the other ones is uh, Flashpoint twenty three, which uh, turns out the twenty third episode <laughs> jail called Flashpoint. So that's kind of a fun, fun little side uh, mm-hmm. side uh, bit there. And then we have uh, something interesting that I thought under a, a presidential campaign uh, run by a billionaire voter fraud in all caps. <laughs> interesting. No, no real world parallels to that. Remember what we said, this aired in 2005, <laughs> folks, 2005, folks. That's right. So, uh, and there's a couple other little sort of maybe references like uh, Brazil boys. I'm reading directly from the DCA wiki here, but uh, the book, which could be a, a reference to the novel Boys from Brazil, which deals with conspiracy to clone Hitler. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, there's a Isher shop, which is perhaps a, a reference to the weapons shops of Isher, which is a novel, and the uh, the principal theme there being the the rights to bear arms. And then there's a there's one called a Zarathustra, which may or may not be a reference to the comic book character of Miracle Man. So some fun Easter eggs, and but uh, as he uh, as he's going down the file list, he's sees one called uh, oval office and uh, we don't quite see what he sees but we see that it it, it disturbs him quite a bit mm-hmm. and uh and then we sort of cut to a couple of days later he's sort of still sitting there he's his hair's all disheveled and he's uh he's quickly become convinced that it is uh it's not an alternate reality this justice lord's world but it in fact may be a time loop where no matter the earth they're on this is this is just predestined to happen. It's all connected. Not alternate reality. Time loop. Luthor becomes president. Flash is killed. Superman kills Luthor in retaliation. Superhuman arms race. Armageddon. End of the world. Inevitable. <laughs> is the future immutable? Can destiny be changed? Will they allow it? Screening your calls? You haven't answered the phone for days. Oh, it's rank in here. Is that you? Have to try. Alternative unthinkable. Q? Are you all right? Have to go. Can't let it happen again. There are at least six different ways I can stop you right now. But they all involve deadly force, don't they? And you don't do that. No, you need me. You wouldn't be much of a hero without a villain. And you do love being a hero, don't you? The cheering children, the swooning women. You love it so much, it's made you my most reliable accomplice. Accomplice? 
What are you... You could have crushed me any time you wanted. And it wasn't the law or the will of the people that stopped you. It was your ego. Being a hero was too important to you. You're as much responsible for this as I am. So go ahead. Fix it somehow. Put me on trial. Lock me up. But I'll beat it. And then we'll start the whole thing all over again. I did love being a hero. But if this is where it leads, I'm done with it. Oh, my. And, uh, and as he's uh, trying to think of a way that he could potentially upend this inevitable future, Huntress comes in and sort of tries to reason with him, tries to get him to calm down, but he uh, rushes out the door. And then we see uh, Huntress look at what he was looking at on the computer. And we actually see this, uh, this sort of, I guess, uh, AI created scenario and uh, we hear the audio of the opening scene from A Better World, Part 1. Uh, as, uh, as we hear Superman confront in the overall, as Luthor taunt him, and then we see Superman's eyes glowing red. So we know now that they are aware of exactly what happened on that other Earth and what they think could happen here were Lex to uh, win the presidency. So then we uh, we cut to the watchtower where with a question uh, confronts Superman and... Something I can help you with? I hope so. But I assume you don't want to discuss your White House weenie roast in front of a crowd. I'll be back in a few minutes. Always wondered what was in here. Private conference room. Original members only, yes. A place where you're free to discuss your secrets and lies. You said something about me in the White House. Not you, exactly. Another version of you, hmm? Stop dancing around it. Tell me what you know. I know what you told everyone. The Justice Lords, a parallel universe version of the Justice League, came to our world to rid it of crime just as they did on their own world. With Lex Luthor's help, our Justice League managed to rout them before they could impose their totalitarian will on our populace. I also know what you didn't tell. Anyone outside of the original seven members of the Justice League. On that other Earth, so very much like our own. A Superman so very much like you killed the president question no one can know about this or what you'll incinerate me too i'd never do anything like that wouldn't you didn't you recently try to lobotomize doomsday with your heat vision just as the justice lord did that's different it's the same a heavily armed watchtower with an army of proactive heroes luthor running for president if it's not quite the same it soon will be. Hey, we asked last week what the name of this conference room was, and it's the private concert, conference room, apparently. That's right. They don't have their logos painted on the back, but it is the uh, the Justice League conference room here. And uh, the question sort of lays out his, uh, his, his uh, theory that, uh, that in order to get this pardon for Lex Luthor at the end of the events of the Justice Lords two-parter, uh, Superman had to explain to the U.S. government what happened on this other Earth, and that sort of got the ball rolling. Where Cadmus uh, needed to felt they needed to figure out what was going on, and he could do to defend the world. Were Superman to take similar steps in the main universe here, 
and uh, and question mentions that all of their scenarios, all of their sort of war game uh, analysis leads them to believe that it would uh, in fact be so devastating that it could it could quite literally cause Armageddon. Uh, and Superman is, is very defensive and, and refuses to acknowledge that there's even a chance that this could happen, uh, at which point questions sort of begins to throw some of these actions that Superman has taken in these in these other Cadmus episodes as of late. He asks him about lobot- trying to lobotomize Doomsday. He asks him about, you know, all, all of these all of these things. And, and when Superman tries to tell him, well, we would never we would never fight the government. Uh, he asks him, what if Luthor was the government? <laughs> and and Superman almost doesn't doesn't have an answer for it. And he he question begins to spiral once again. And uh, Superman tries to comfort him, but that kind of only makes him more paranoid. And uh, and he sort of leaves in a in a rush, even as Superman tries to quell his fears and, and tell him that those things that you're afraid of won't happen because I won't let them. Mm. And uh, so question without really saying anything else decides to leave. And, uh, and we, we get to what I think is maybe, maybe the most like shocking scene (laughs) in the history of the D at this point, which is uh, the question uh, we, we cut back to Lex at the, at Lex Corp. And uh, the question is sitting at his desk, and as they begin to discuss things about Lex looking like he's going to be the next president, and how this will undoubtedly cause this Armageddon, and that it's a it's a time loop. A is A, and Luthor is Luthor, no matter what dimension he's in. Uh, the question begins to undo his tie, and uh, it becomes pretty clearly there that this is this is not a heart to heart. He was not trying to. The question did not come here to speak to Lex Luthor. Have you seen the latest polls? It's beginning to look like you're going to be our next president, just like in that other world. I wouldn't bet against me. No, it wouldn't be prudent. I want you to understand something, Luthor. Although my distaste for you as a human being is Brobdingnagian, what I'm about to do isn't personal. What are you babbling about? Everything that exists has a specific nature. Each entity exists as something in particular and has characteristics that are part of what it is. A is A. And no matter what reality he calls home, Luthor is Luthor. If I'm to save the world, your existence must come to an end before you take office. You're going to kill me so that Superman can't. I'm a well-known crackpot. The Justice League's reputation will survive my actions, and Superman's legacy will remain intact. Interesting plan. Unfortunately for you, it's not really an option. Yep, he's uh, he's there to to kill him, and he he says as much. He's going to end his life, uh, and he's going to do so based on the fact that if he kills. Luthor, then Superman can't kill Luthor. So, uh, of course, the 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 question one step ahead of 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 Lex, uh, you know, says that the Justice League will certainly survive their uh, their reputation will survive him because he's a known crackpot assassinating Lex Luthor. 
So um, I, we will say that uh, after he talks about how Luther's presidency is is um, is almost a sure thing, Luther does scoff and and mention how much power he'd have to give up in order to become president. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really not what he's interested in. Uh, that there's a, a much bigger plan at play here. But uh, as as the question steps closer to, to Lex, as it looks like he's going to do what he has to do to get rid of him, Luthor picks him up by the throat and hurls him across the, the office into the... I think he backhands him first. He backhands him oh, you're right. into, he the, does into the tank, him. into the, the shark tank. It's It's... It's as if he has Superman strength coming through him. It's very, mm-hmm. very strange. It's not really explained. He then goes over and picks him up by the throat, and we get further fisticuffs. Luther beating the beating the tar out of him, and we get uh, we we kind of see him throw him across the room back through Lex's desk. Uh, mm-hmm. So super, he's he's showing some superhuman strength here without any any real explanation as to what is yeah. going on. Yeah, it seems it's it's a surprise to Lex as well. We can maybe talk more about this in visuals, but he's sort of staring at his hands and and sort of has this sort of surprised but excited look on his face as he's uh, just just laying into the question here. Absolutely, yeah. So the the after beating him senseless, he then sort of says that they're going to need to find out just exactly what he knows from the information that he that he uh, that he stole from them. So uh, we we then uh, we then get a scene where the uh, the question wakes up and he is uh, he's being tortured by this Dr. Moon, who, interestingly enough, was a stand in. Uh, This is uh, into the bat, quote unquote, bat embargo that may or may not Mm -hmm. have existed at this point. So if you remember when Cadmus was first introduced, we had Hugo Strange on this panel, I believe. So Mm -hmm. uh, I believe there were some comments uh, from from uh, maybe Mr. McDuffie or or Bruce Tim that said that uh, this Dr. Moon was the was the stand in because they weren't really allowed to use the the Batman villains anymore. So Dr. Moon is there and uh, Dr. Moon uh, does a pretty good good job standing in for Hugo Strange as he he begins his torture uh, of the question and asking him just exactly what he knows there's this sort of uh, electroshock therapy all these tubes hooked up to the question as uh, as he shocks him and he has these horrible like hematoma like blood mm-hmm. spots all over his body it's it's pretty disturbing looking and uh, we'll talk about that probably more in visuals, the actual torture uh, scene. But the question, uh, like a good soldier, refuses to give up what information he has and instead just keeps blurting out these uh, conspiracy theories. So the doctor asks him, what do you know? And then he just shares <laughs> a random conspiracy theory. We go go right down the line where he talks about fluoride, uh, aglets, and then the uh, magic bullet uh, so we have and the uh, Illuminati so. yeah, and the Illuminati. That's right. Yes. The Illuminati as well. gets a, gets a mention there. You stole files from our computer. Just tell me what you've learned. Topically applied fluoride doesn't prevent tooth decay. It does render teeth detectable by spy satellite. <laughs> tell me what you know. <sighs> the plastic tips at the ends of shoelaces are called aglets. Their true purpose is sinister. Tell me what you know. There was a magic bullet. It was forged by Illuminati mystics to prevent us from learning the truth. 
Have it your way. This will continue until I break you. Perhaps even afterwards. So uh, he's he's refusing to give up the information, but we cut back at this point to uh, to Superman who's out flying and all of a sudden he happens to hear a familiar sound, which is the high pitched frequency of uh, Superman's pal, mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen's watch. This uh, episode forcing us to add Superman's pal to the rewatchability. <laughs> to the must rewatches because the the entire second half of this episode is hinging on uh on Jimmy Olsen's signal watch surprisingly thank Dwayne McDuffie for that one. <laughs> so yeah so uh the huntress we learn has stolen Jimmy's watch and taken that creep and tied him up and uh, <laughs> stolen his watch he likes it you know he likes it <laughs> Don't worry, though. Jimmy's quite all right as he sits there. And uh, the Huntress just needed to get Superman's attention to let him know that the question has gone missing. They haven't seen him. Superman tries to reach them, reach him on the Justice League comlink and notes that the comlink is open but can't locate him. Uh, he he offers John's help to find him. John is able to locate him or at least where his comlink is, which is at some dump. And uh, they go there. Huntress, fearing the worst, begins to dig through the rubble. But uh, Superman assures her that she won't find the question there because there wouldn't make any sense for them to dump the comlink if they had already killed him. They must have taken him alive. So Huntress, uh, Huntress says, you know, well, we got to go after him. And Superman says, we know where he is. We've we've kept tabs on Cadmus. We know where they are, but we can only go in uh, lawfully. And when there's enough evidence to support it. And uh, Huntress reminds him that she's no longer, that's why she quit the Justice League, she says. And Superman reminds her that she didn't quit the Justice League. She was fired from the Justice League. So a little little gotcha on that one. But Superman does relent and decide that they're going to go to Cadmus in order to find to find the question, but promises to do so off the books, sort of. So it's not an official Justice League mission, I guess. I don't know what that means. Like he still, <laughs> we talked about last week about how he represents, you know, he's a he's a symbol and he's a mm-hmm. hero and all this stuff, but he's going and doing something off the books. Like he's not wearing like a mask or anything. I was going to say he should have gotten like a like a tactical. <laughs> he should have put on the, the the deep sea dive Superman wetsuit. Or like the doomsday, the green doomsday suit from the cops yes. in the in the, the <laughs> mid nineties, like that green crypt, uh, Kryptonian containment suit. Yeah, put that one on with the mask. Uh, but no, he just arrives at Cadmus and knocks down the door and takes on uh, a whole army of Cadmus agents. But uh, as he is scanning the rooms for wherever the location of the question is, he spots a familiar individual and decides he needs to pay him a visit leaving the Huntress to take on the entire army of, of Cadmus agents herself, but she seems to be okay with handling it. She's quite uh, formidable with her staff. They're lucky she didn't use her uh, her bow st- her her crossbow on, on mm-hmm. Just decided to do some fisticuffs on this one. Superman <laughs> must have set the rules up ahead of time, but Superman's little detour is in fact a conversation with the aforementioned Dr. Lime Hamilton, and he begins to shake him down, and this is a a very interesting this is this is dr lime's official heel turn right this is where mm-hmm. we, i mean we already knew he was aligned with cadmus but this is where he really breaks things down for superman as to why he's working with cadmus a lot of things are starting to make sense now professor hamilton when did cadmus recruit you recruit me i went to them 
How can you work for these people? Do you know what they are? Power brokers, politicians, criminals, and black ops mercenaries with one thing in common besides. They're humanity's last hope against your kind. What are you talking about? Humanity doesn't need protection from us. I used to believe that. I thought you were a guardian angel, come to answer our prayers. But Lucifer was an angel too, wasn't he? Professor. You forget, I'd been on the receiving end of your wrath when you brought Supergirl to Star Labs for medical treatment. I know what you're capable of. That's what this is about? One little scare and you betray us? You stole Kara's DNA, violated her trust, my trust. The chicken or the egg, Superman. He, I love the, I love the line that he says. He says that you know that he thought that Superman was a guardian angel, but then he remembered that Lucifer was an angel once too. Hmm. And that cut Superman. They cut to Superman's face, and you can see that, like the anger rising in him. You know, he really holds the the incident where Superman brought Supergirl to him in leg in that episode Legacy that we talked about, which you can hear our review of in the archives. And uh, he really holds that whole scenario against Superman, and that really turned the tides on his opinion uh, of who Superman was. So that's right. And uh, I will just make a note here. Uh, I just had a memory of a, a conversation. I don't know if it was directly with us on Twitter or with perhaps our friends at Watchtower Database, but we were talking about something else related to a James Tucker storyboard mm-hmm. that kind of changed something. I believe it was Curare's uh, look when, when she doesn't ask on mm-hmm. and how he sort of boarded Terry being like shocked and appalled when the mask came off and that maybe change that character a little bit and then he mentioned that he also in legacy boarded there's like one shot you can go back to that episode where after superman like grabs him by the lapels and slams him against the wall when he drops him down and you know says please please help supergirl please help kara you know i'm begging you there's just one little shot of hamilton looking like terrified and Mm. and and so i think another another funny random little thing here but you know who knows if this this plot point would have been would have been thought of to add in if they hadn't put that that sequence in in that superman episode mr tucker hadn't uh hadn't boarded the shot of 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 sort of the, the terror that hamilton experiences in that scene so great you know that it's whether that was whether that was intentional as hey we're gonna have a storyline later where that comes into play or just like a hey this artistically makes a lot of sense the, the fact that that cohesively worked and that Dwayne McDuffie was able to he was so great with the continuity and making sh- callbacks mm-hmm. making sure that things lined up and making sure okay we're gonna take this bit and we're gonna call back to this but also use it now and not make it we'll make it so that it it rewards the people that have been with us for so long but also not make it so out there where it alienates people that maybe don't know what we're talking about mm-hmm. and he was a master at that it's just yeah absolutely so I, absolutely but yes as as you said he he points out that superman sort of quite literally put the fear of god in him in <laughs> in that moment and that's sort of when he decided that he would do what he could to assist humanity and uh and in case it isn't clear, they they once again spell out. Superman realizes we're going to have to talk about this a lot in voice acting too. But 
Superman makes the makes the connection that this this mysterious Supergirl clone, which had shown up in Fearful Symmetry, was obviously the work of uh, of Professor Hamilton, and uh, that 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 he had violated her trust as well as his. To which uh, Hamilton, you know, who violated whose trust first? You know, the chick, the chicken or the egg is what he says. But uh, but there, so Superman sort of. Kind of doesn't have anything anything else to say as he sort of storms out of the room, and we see once again that Hamilton is was he was putting on a brave face, but he was uh, <laughs> he wasn't quite sure how that how that uh, that conversation was going to end. And as as we go, move forward, Superman and Huntress are able to find the room where uh, where the where the question is being tortured, and after taking out the good doctor and uh, Superman having to talk him talk Huntress down for to just knocking him out instead of knocking him out and shooting him with the crossbow uh, as they, they begin to leave and, and Superman's trying to figure out sort of the logistics of how they get out. We see that Captain Adam arrives, chubs Captain Adam. Lean on me. We're getting out of here. Secret messages encoded in amino acid chains and carb-free breakfast bars. Come on, baby doll. It's all right. It's going to be a little rough. I'll take the guards, you get ready to move him. That won't be necessary, Superman. Good to see you, Captain. Cover our flank. I'm afraid you misunderstand. I'm speaking as an officer of the United States Air Force. Bad time to grow a sense of humor, Cap. No joke, ma'am. I'm currently assigned to General Eileen's Special Projects Unit. My orders are to prevent you from taking question out of this facility. So how's this gonna go down? First, they are, they're glad to see him and they, they tell him to watch their back, but uh, he makes it very clear very quickly that he is speaking to them as an officer of the United States Air Force and that he is working with General Eiling in Cadmus and that his orders are to stop the question from leaving this facility. And that is where we get, we don't actually get it on the screen, but that is our to be continued moment as this uh, episode wraps up for this week here cal and uh as we can uh, get towards our scores here i mean my gosh where do we start <laughs> like, <laughs> like where do you start with an episode like this i mean we talked about a lot of the the overarching themes of what the whole cadmus arc were about last week in our episode when we covered clash but again pointing out i think one of the interesting things here and something that i think Again, this is a this is a bipartisan event that we see in our real world mm-hmm. where we will look at the actions of some of the the most terrifying, horrible people that have ever lived and we will say never again and we'll never do that. But then if we do the but then if a government, a powerful person takes those same steps that we once decried, we'll say, "Well, we had a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. We had a good reason to do it." Mhm. We maybe stepped over the line, but we did it in the best interest of the American people, the government, whoever, you know, mm-hmm. the, the country, whatever, the world. Like there's always, there's always the way that, you know, the road to where we, you know, the justice lords, the, you know, an authoritarian fascist world is often paved by the, the quote unquote good guys making, you know, little moral compromises to their actions and how the question just sort of lays all of this out in that confrontation with Superman. And it really just goes again to walking this line of where you don't, we, you know, we know Superman 
is a good guy, but he's having it thrown at him that, hey, he is doing some, he is maybe stepping over some lines. He is making decisions that maybe he shouldn't be doing, or at the very least shouldn't be unilaterally making these decisions by himself. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and also equally relatable, despite the fact that in this, in this moment or in this moment in time, Superman is clear headed, looking to make good decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is, has the best interests of the, the world or whoever at heart in the choices that he's making you cannot deny the fact that his power when corrupted or has been corrupted in the past. And there Mm -hmm. have been negative consequences that have led to people saying, you know what? I don't know if I trust this guy anymore to make those decisions because I remember when this happened, which is also equally bipartisanly relatable to whoever, to whoever is in power. You say, Oh yeah. Oh, you want to make this decision? Well, what about when you said this was going to happen and that bad thing happened instead? Or we're going to make this choice right. and, and now it's led to all these terrible consequences. Um, it's a little, I mean, some of it is Monday morning quarterbacking, you could say, but a lot of it is, hey, let's look at what has happened based on these choices that you made in the past and we're going to look at your track record and you kind of have one chance <laughs> to to get things right. And if you don't, we're going to start questioning everything that comes after this. And we're going to point mm-hmm. to that one thing that you messed up as a good reason why we should. Right. And I, and I think like what, what you, you mentioned there is it's like, as, as, as they talk about in this episode, it may not even be Superman of his own volition. <laughs> Mm-hmm. wreaking havoc and destroying the world theoretically mm-hmm. that's also on the table there where which is again if you apply that to the real world where a certain asked a certain foreign policy decision is made military strategies and you go okay you're the good guy implementing this but you know as lois says you have a giant laser right <laughs> and i mean not to spoil it but that really comes back to bite them <laughs> in a couple episodes here. Like the idea of it's even, okay, well, the good guys are in control of it right now, and therefore it's good. Okay, but what if somebody else comes along and gets ac- and has access to these exact same tools and implements them a little bit differently? This could be chaos. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this, I think, in the way that this is really like the, like the, the trial of... <laughs> The trial of the soul. What do they call it? The something of the soul for, for for Superman over these these couple of episodes we've read the last few weeks, where he's where again at at the heart we know at his heart that Superman is a good person and he's not making these decisions because he wants to seize power and rule the world. But that's that again is the point of when the question takes him to okay, you've already made these concessions that are just like what the Justice Lords did. What if, what if the unthinkable happens? What if your worst enemy controls the most powerful government in the world? Right? Are you gonna, are you gonna be able to stick to these principles? And if you know, if, if Luthor becomes the government, like I think it's, it's just a, a fascinating look, and it's it reminded me in an episode, of course, of course, uh, a better world parts one and two, also written by Dwayne McDuffie. Um, the moment at the end of that second part where the justice Lord Superman is fighting the flash and he grabs a hold of him 
Flash says something to the effect of, you know, uh, you know, I must be the last piece of your conscience that you'll still listen to or something like that. And Superman kind of looks, looks around or like kind of looks, thinks to himself and says something to the effect of, I've done a lot of things I thought I'd never do. Mm. One more won't hurt. Mm. Right. And it's like, it's, and you can say, oh, that's lazy. It's a slippery slope argument or whatever, when that's made in real world politics, but it is, you know, where <laughs> again, there's not the, uh, generally we don't jump to, you know, globally, we don't jump to the worst case scenario right away right we gradually slide there over the over the years and not just in america in many other countries like it's like i said there's a lot to unpack here but and looking at it through this superhero lens i think what's amazing about this episode is unlike say last week's where we still had you know that great you know superhero punch up at the end at, you know, at the end of the episode other than this opening sequence, it, we're pretty light on like serious action here. <laughs> other than, other than you know the question fighting or the question huntress fighting some goons, and then you know Lex, you know the question trying to strangle Lex with his tie <laughs> and getting beat up. Like it's it is very much a, a very this is a very like story heavy, story focused, dialogue focused episode, and to still have it be as you know, in, interesting and and captivating as it is, I think gives a lot of credit. We'll certainly, again, we'll talk about visuals and voice acting and music in a minute, but just such a credit to, as you said, Mr. Mr. McDuffie is a writer for crafting a story with this little, a superhero story with this little punching <laughs> <laughs> that is still so engrossing and so interesting and plays off of all of these themes and moments from, not only this series, but previous series in the DCAU as well. Like it's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. I, I think, I think the thing that, that accurately communicates just how great this episode is for me, or at least it, the impression it left on me was I've seen this episode probably a dozen times. It's one of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. seen it a lot, watched it a lot, hadn't seen it in quite some time, but used to watch it uh, pretty regularly. It's in, it was mm-hmm. in the rotation, pretty heavy rotation. Um, watching it before we did the review, I was, I was on the edge of my seat for the majority of it. I got goosebumps multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so gripping the switch between the question who's having this mental breakdown mm-hmm. and the weight of the idea that it's now his responsibility to make sure that this the end of the world doesn't happen. He has to sacrifice himself in order to make sure that this doesn't happen for the good of humanity. Like he doesn't care about the Justice League. He doesn't care about, you know, the reputation, Superman's reputation. He doesn't care. He just, he's, he literally wants to prevent this war between the Justice League and the government. He's got to save the planet. And his mm-hmm. idea is, all right, if I got to get you know, go to prison to do so, then by golly, I'm going to do it. And so seeing him, his whole arc through the story, getting more and more disheveled to the point where he's captured and tortured over this, but he's still like holding to his, his, his sticking to his guns, I guess, and and mm-hmm. refusing to give up what he knows, um, you know, like a, the, a, any typical hero in a, in a movie would a good hero in a movie would, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then you have this, this sort of the, the background is Superman still kind of chewing on this, this idea that, 
the love of his life has broken to him in the beginning here that, hey, you know, this is this is getting kind of serious. People are really taking a look. You really need to think about the power that you have, what it means, how you use it. And mm-hmm. then this this interaction that he ends up having with with Professor Hamilton over the you know this huge incident that occurred, he's reminded again for the for the second time within I think the timeline here for this episode is like a couple of weeks or something like that based on mm-hmm. based on days that passed. But in 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 a couple of weeks time, reminded again of this legacy situation where he you know turned on Earth. Uh, so it's, there's just multiple layers to it. We talked about it last week, but mm-hmm. this is done in such a different way where you don't have the, the superhero heavy action beats that we had last week, but it's still so effective. It's still so ent- interesting. It's still so entertaining. It's a, it's a piece of, of dramatic excellence. And I, man, I just, I just love this episode so, so much. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think a lot about the what he says to Lex when he's sort of explaining, and he says it's funny because you mentioned that that it, like his first his first goal absolutely is this is the only way to prevent this this world ending event is if I kill Luthor so Superman can't. But he mentions like the League will survive because I mean obviously he's in the Justice League like he believes to an extent at least he believes in this concept. Sure. He believes that perhaps at least initially it was set up by people with good intentions. And he, you know, he says, you know, Superman's legacy will be intact. And he ta- like he talks, talks about that and how he's, you know, he'll sort of take the brunt of it. And, and you can kind of flip that if you want to look at it uncharitably of how generally speaking, the most rich and powerful and influential people who do bad things, uh, not naming names, but they're never really the ones that suffer the consequences, right? Surely. There's generally a fall guy. And so there's question offering himself up for, yes, to save the world, but also to be the fall guy so that the Justice League and Superman can continue on mm. on their, at least what he believes is, you know, the, the broad strokes of which are a, a sort of righteous mission that he's willing, and he's sort of willing to take on that and and ruin his own legacy and ruin his own life to, in his mind, save the world and and protect the Justice League from sort of further from further scrutiny or 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 from further mistrust from the government. Like I just yeah, there's there's so many, as you said, so many layers to this that are uh, fantastic to talk about, um, I think. And we'll we'll talk about it more when next we cover Justice League Unlimited, when we see the next part of this. Uh, probably talk more about the Captain Adam thing here, but just the idea of a guy, and we saw that going back to the pilot episode of Justice League Unlimited of how he's this very military, you know, by the book, by the numbers, sir, yes, sir, guy, and how he's, you know, he's grown into a, a you know, a true a hero in every sense of the word as as the superhero, but and the way that Cadmus takes that that original, you know, for lack of a better term, I don't mean programming in the sense that he was brainwashed, but his sense of duty, his, his, his moral compass, you know, uh, you know, his wanting to protect and serve and defend, you know, his country that he, that he tried so hard to, and that ultimately he gave up his, his regular life for, uh, to, you know, to be part of this Captain Adam experiment and how they take that and use it against him to then where we leave this episode with him 
standing there with glowing red hands, willing to fight Superman mm -hmm. to protect this government facility and not let them take this man they're holding hostage, his teammate in the Justice League. Uh, he, you know, he's willing to fight Superman to stop them to prevent him from that from them getting this hostage out of here like the way that his his own loyalty and the way that you know a a, a good soldier's uh you know well-meaning morals can be corrupted by <laughs> by uh you know a a charismatic leader from time to time i think there's there's just so many incredible layers all packed into this 22 minute superhero cartoons so uh for all those reasons probably not surprisingly i don't i don't feel like i had a choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of 10 for my plot <laughs> yep uh i'm with you right there you know i i think the the fact that this episode doesn't have action might or a lot of action might be seen as a detriment if you're in in other cases in other episodes if the story wasn't strong enough to 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 fill in that the, the gap so to speak but because the story is so rich so layered and so uh integral to the 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 entire the entire episode um i think if you if you had added action anywhere else in this episode it probably would have felt a little a little forced so i think I think the idea that, hey, we're going to have this episode that's dialogue heavy, story heavy, the action is going to be tuned down a little bit. We'll have a little bit here, a little bit there, just so you know we can keep the entertainment up. But you're really going to have to pay attention to this episode. And this is really an episode that we're, we are going to to reward those that have been watching for a long time by pulling some of these, these threads in here. So uh, yeah, 10 out of 10 for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just a masterpiece and... and... And uh, again, as we talked about last week, this is why this uh, this whole story arc is is remembered so fondly is how, again, you can you can kind of, uh, you know, you can get this if you're a kid. But if you when you come back to this a little bit older and see some of the the added layers to this and, and why this Lexus and Cadmus is working so well, <laughs> uh, I think it's 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 quite a it was quite a bit of fun to come back to it this week. And uh Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From our plot section, we will move over to visuals and animation, Cal. Uh, once again, uh, this episode was directed by Dan Reba with, uh, with Dong Wu Animation uh, covering that side of things. What stuck out to you this week? As we said, not a heavy action week, but uh, so that means a lot of uh, kind of smaller conversations and animating things like body language oh and by the way our main character for this episode doesn't have a face <laughs> so a tall task to say the least for our, our visuals department this week yeah um i i will say i think i think this is the animation the the drawings on this this one or the the style it i think there's like very similar to the way that Batman the Animated Series we've talked about where there's the square jaw Batman, there's the longer nose Batman. Mm -hmm. I feel like with Justice League Unlimited, you have the the more square 
true to true to uh the the model versions and then you have the the little bit more angular and like defined muscular versions of the characters i think we've talked about that a little bit um so i think there's like a little bit of a mix i think for this episode but i think mostly everybody looked looked to be on uh on model for the for the duration of the episode um as you mentioned there not not a ton of action but the the opening scene kicking things off with the with the mantis versus captain adam and superman fight it is pretty destructive for a uh, for a, for a battle, Superman thrown through some cars. As as you mentioned, we get eventually wind up in a in a subway station, uh, which, by the way, I believe uh, the DCAU wiki uh, mentioned that there's a uh, a uh, a a Easter egg for that as well as it's the Plastino Street Station, which is an uh, homage to Al Plastino, the Silver Age Superman comic artist. So that was a, uh, it's a neat little Easter egg that they, they decided to include there. But uh, yeah, I, I, we, we talked about Superman's uh, picnic and his choice of food. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, that didn't know where to put that one. We already discussed it, but it was in my visual mention. Also, I also like the, um, the idea, I, honestly, like I, I thought that the animation of Superman flying Lois to the top of the bridge mm-hmm. he flies past some birds. We get a, a nice sunset that's occurring in the background. Um, I thought that that scene was was done, even though it's really quick. It's a quick, quick little sequence. I thought visually it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, you mentioned the the fact that the the main character doesn't have a face, so that means that a lot of the emoting is going to have to be done through the voice acting as which we'll talk about in just a little bit here but uh i i did appreciate the the questions descent into madness is sort of documented with uh, a couple of different things we see his tie becoming once once he's completely kind of gone off and seen this video and he's days deep into his uh into his 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 uh, analysis of the the information that they hacked into and, and received from Cadmus uh you know he's he's got the the tie undone and he's sitting there he's still wearing his hat but uh, after he's seen the video we cut back to him and he begins the pacing around the room his hair gets real disheveled uh mm-hmm. and so really communicating that that like descent into madness he's you know punching punching his clipboard or, or his uh, cork board on the wall um so really emoting through both his physical the, the physical actions that you can see and not through his facial features and as we mentioned the uh, voice acting uh, but then the 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 torture scene is brutal too because mm-hmm. again you can't he his face isn't what's emoting the 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 pain and the anguish that he's in it's his body is sort of convulsing we mentioned the the hematomas all over the body and as the as the the doctor continues to to turn up the this machine that's electrifying him or electrocuting him you know his body convulses and sort of lurches forward and we get his hair going crazy and then he it, it kind of collapses back down and then he turns the machine back on again and he lurches forward and so there's a, a lot of violence in that as well mm-hmm. Um, I, I did like the Huntress versus the she's, you know, I, both the, the security guard she fights at the beginning. I love that that's kind of happening. It's it's kind of in the forefront of the scene, but it, a lot of the action is happening 
kind of passing front and in front of you. So you see the question kind of there at the computer and you see the action kind of passing back and forth behind him. And then they cut to kind of behind the question and you see the action happening in and out of frame. Um, and then, then later on the, the same thing sort of happens again as she's taking on these bad guys or the, uh, the Cadmus, the, uh, the Cadmus agents mm-hmm. in, in the Cadmus, uh, in the, in the Cadmus lab. And, uh, so we see a lot of the action happening off screen as Superman is walking away. So she starts, you know, kicking some ass. And then as he's coming back to, to greet her, she's kind of finishing things up. So, um, I, I thought that that was, uh, that was pretty interesting also, but yeah, I, I think we're, because we're light on action, there wasn't, uh, wasn't a ton as far as the, the, the action beats to consider. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, is conveyed, as you mentioned, sort of in Superman's emotion, the way that they drew his face, both in the, the concern that he has in the conversation with Lois, and then mm-hmm. later on in the, in the conversation with Professor Hamilton, especially when Professor Hamilton kind of hits him with that last like chicken or egg comment. They cut back to him and he's just kind of, you can see that he's angry, but also hurt and just disappointed and just mm-hmm. kind of fed up and, and walks away. Um, I also loved when the question and Superman are having their conversation in the watchtower and Superman puts his hand, uh, the question turns his back to him to walk kind of, walk away superman puts his hand on his shoulder and the question sort of jumps in a very you know is he going to attack me what's going on and superman's face is one of like shock like the fact that this guy would be scared of him or you know afraid that something is is going to happen to him of course this is a direct result of having just seen what appears to be this superman murdering the president of the united states on video Uh, so he's he's probably suffering some PTSD from that. But Superman's look of just horror of the fact that he has striking fear into this uh, into this 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 poor, you know, uh, this this poor conspiracy theorist is uh, is is was done really well, too. So I, I didn't have a I didn't have a lot that was like, man, that was a great shot or man, that was that was some some great action because it's it is so dialogue and action heavy. But um, I, I did think it, mostly everything was was strong. I think the torture scene is probably the the most brutal of probably. Is it the only torture? I don't know how many torture scenes we get in, in the DCAU, but it is. That's a brutal one. It, it kind of ranks up there with Superman getting shocked by by or hit with the Omega beams and mm-hmm. really paraded around in Metropolis is one of those. It's like this is very uncomfortable. Uh, so I, I went with an eight out of ten for for animation and visuals. Yeah, I went uh, I went uh, with the exact same score, actually eight out of ten uh, for my for my visuals and animation score as well. Uh, can't add a lot to uh, to what you just said. I think you you covered it pretty pretty well there. I think just you know, some of the little little minor uh, minutia of the episode, like just as you mentioned already, like the you know the disheveled hair and the loosened tie. The question has he's also kind of like slumped over a little bit more as the episode goes. As they. You know, as they mentioned, he hasn't like slept or showered for days, and his fedora also keeps like getting more droopy. Yes. Like, in his face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that that's fantastic. And just that that opening moment when when he tells Superman that he knows about the Justice Lord Superman killing killing the president, and we just cut to this cut to this kind of close up of Superman's face. And then we kind of pan down to his hand and he just crunches the chair. Mm. Like he just, mm-hmm. he just like grabs hold of the chair and he squeezes so tightly that he almost uh, crumples it like it's paper. 
which is a nice just you know a nice little bit there that we we see i think is uh, is very good i like i like seeing the the inner workings of this cadmus facility a little bit more i think that's fun i thought the the moment where uh, all the guys are are lined up with their guns ready to shoot as superman and the huntress bust in is uh, that feels very uh, opening of a new hope to me with mm-hmm. the, uh, the guys waiting to fight darth vader and the stormtroopers so oh, that's good yeah um whether intentional or not i i appreciated that and then yeah i like the uh, the brutal <laughs> the brutality of that first fight that huntress is having with the uh security guards where while question is trying to hack the uh the information she's like busting chairs over people and and all this like huntress really fights dirty <laughs> and, and these scenes she, there's a part where she like shoves the rifle into one of the guy's face and in, in the later fight as well so the uh the brief uh fisticuffs that make fantastic as well but yes no small task when uh when it's such a dialogue heavy episode and as we've said your your main character doesn't have a face so a, a very strong eight out of 10 for both of us there. And from there, Cal, we will move on to our third category, which is, of course, music. Once again, this week, we have all three of our dynamic music partners to thank for the music there. And I'll just say off the bat, there's really only a couple of moments where I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in that scene with Question and Superman, it's just like this kind of this one like held kind of shrill. It almost feels like a horror movie. Absolutely. Uh, where where it, the dialogue is escalating as as the question gets more and more kind of accusatory towards him. And then you and then, you you know, the, and then it just kind of keeps coming out with this very shrill note as it keeps going and all the way where it kind of uh, it dissipates a little bit. But then he then Superman reaches out to touch him and then, the you know, the it, it comes back up a little bit more there and. And and then uh, I thought also the the kind of on a similar note when uh, when Lex question have their their confrontation it's it's not like a dramatic over the top uh, you know we don't get like the wailing guitars or something you might expect from a JLU score here mm-hmm. it's very much sort of synthesizer and and kept very simple for the most part but uh, I think those again with an episode that's so dialogue heavy it's maybe not a surprise that the music kind of hangs in the background a little bit more this week. Yeah, um, I I will say that I don't think that there's an identifiable piece that really that really stands out as like, oh, this is a heroic superhero theme that we have here. It is very much mood setting and and scene setting music. But uh, the the scene where the question is is you know watching the the video of the of of Superman killing killing Luthor or the the Justice Lord Superman killing Luthor, the music is just super eerie like it just plays as you mentioned like it's it's very kind of like shrill and then it kind of escalates and then once he sees the footage it begins to drop and becomes like a little sinister to it it's just man it's really 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 strong it's part of i think some of the the goosebumps that i got in watching this episode were certainly uh enhanced through the the musical accompaniment because it it, it very much like a musical score uh, for a for a, a Hollywood film the 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 score is is really designed here just to kind of make you feel whatever the same a similar emotion that the that the character is feeling and uh, that scene with with the the question sort of descending into as I've mentioned descending in, descending into madness as he then faces this idea of my goodness this isn't this isn't an alternate dimension this is a time loop this is our this is our doom we're gonna we're gonna 
the world's going to end here soon. Um, I love that. I thought that that was, that was really, mm-hmm. really strong. I thought that the music also um, during the, during the Cadmus breach, as they, they kind of break in, you know, there's some, there's some action beats that, that play, play through that fight. Also the initial battle between uh, Superman and these, uh, these Cadmus guards. And then when Huntress takes over, um and then the uh the the piano the, there's actually a piano that plays as as question is revealing his plan to kill Luthor mm-hmm. to Luthor and it's very subtle it's in the background and it's as he's taking his tie off and begins to kind of like pull it taut like he's going to like he's going to strangle him with it um this piano sort of builds and crescendos and that's when we get the reveal that actually the tables are going to turn here luther's luther's going to hand out some some violence actually so yeah there's um there's 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 some good pieces here i thought the music was really strong um because of it 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 didn't stand out as like a hey this is a hummable you know memorable piece of of music as we've pointed out before, but because of the emotion that I felt like it drew out of me with these scenes, um, I gave it a very strong nine out of 10. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I went a little bit lower. I went, I went seven out of 10 for my score. Uh, but uh, I do agree that yeah, the, the piano that's brought in in that, in that scene with, with question and Luthor is, is fantastic. And, and uh, as they kind of go to break there and then they come back and we, we see like the vision that the question is having with the, yeah. You know, we I don't, we didn't I'm, talk about that. In I was going to say I don't know if we mentioned that in visuals, but that this it's very, you know, Luthor being sworn in, the Flash being you know disheveled and beaten up, being brought to him by two soldiers as Luthor cocks a shotgun, all while Old Glory, the American flag, is waving in the background, and then this this shot of Superman in black and white, but then his eyes glow red. It's fantastic. I don't know how we forgot to mention that in visuals. Yeah, but... that that one's really really strong too. That w- that was a uh, that was a great sequence there, and uh, and again, really disturbing. Absolutely, and then yeah, and then we from there it kind of goes into this Armageddon scenario where the White House blows up, and then you sort of zoom out and you see these giant explosions happening all over the world. And yeah, the music in in that sequence as well, uh, strong. A, uh, another high score from Cal, and that will move us on to our final category, which is, of course, our voice acting category. And uh, not a huge cast to talk about, but uh, this is uh, this is one that's uh, I think got a, a, an obvious star that we'll save for last. But we'll kind of quickly touch on some of the other voice actors. We have uh, returning to the show. We have J.K. Simmons as General Eiling briefly. Also briefly have CCH Pounder as Amanda Waller. Uh, we have we have Chris Cox returning as Captain Adam, um, and then of course we have we have uh, Dana Delena Dana Delaney briefly as uh, as Lois, which is always great to have her there. And I think it's it's funny because yeah, Superman's kind of being hit over the head with the mistrust that people feel for him in this episode, but to have have it kind of open with the softest touch version of this news he gets is from it's from the woman he loves. And and so having, having Lois be the one to kind of put him on this path of like, Hey, you really need to start thinking about what you're doing and how this looks to everyone. Uh, I think, I think I love, I love the, uh, the dialogue. And obviously this is not the, uh, the same Superman that Miss, uh, Miss Delaney played off of in the previous series. So she and uh, George Newbern, I think, uh, showing showing some great uh, chemistry despite not having worked together nearly as much. 
yeah, it didn't it it didn't even dawn on me. <laughs> didn't even dawn on me that uh, of course we we didn't get as many interactions there. But yeah, I thought it I think that's a credit to the to their ability to interact in ways that make it feel like the same same two characters we had uh, when when Tim Daly was doing Superman. So, uh, yeah, it's it's always great to have uh, to to have Dana Delaney. She's an incredible voice actress and certainly uh, in in the running for a, a top 10, if not top five DCAU voice actress of all time. Absolutely. And uh, elsewhere, uh, we have uh, we have uh, in uh, in a pretty me- meaty role here. We have we do have Clancy Brown as uh, as Lex Luthor. Was he, he's not a huge part of the episode, except that he's the linchpin for the uh, the whole the whole scenario. And as he sort of slowly and meticulously reveals to the question uh, that in fact he doesn't want to be the president. He has no interest. In fact, he's sort of almost laughing. Mm-hmm. He's so sort of amused by the situation as he's tearing into the question physically and also just, you know, calling him like, yeah, you're this this ultimate conspiracy guy who who sees who connects all the threads that no one else can see. And you're too stupid and you're still too blind to see that I'm just doing this to mess with Superman. President. Foolish, faceless man, my campaign is a farce, a small part of a much grander scheme. (laughs) President. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? That's right, conspiracy buff. I spent $75 million on a fake presidential campaign. All just to tick Superman off. Now, about those files you stole from me. Like it's 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 a really great. It's only you know it's probably the scene's probably ninety seconds. Like it's not it's not like it's a, a giant monologue, but just the way he he's he's just amusing himself while he's beating up the question and. And telling him, you know, I, I I just love that that whole sequence with him uh, is is uh, fantastic. I mean, not surprising. It's not a headline on our show to say that Clancy Brown is a great actor, but uh, just yeah, especially great. Like this, this would be like if you're asking me off the top of my head to name like his best scenes. Mm-hmm. I think this is a this is like a top tenner. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's good because he he does kind of start off at this this. Uh, kind of bemused kind of oh my goodness i have to entertain this this conspiracy theorist here that showed up in my office and then as he's sort of discovering that whatever is going on with him that he now has this newfound strength and youth about him that he's kind of reveling in it and the idea that he's going to he's able to sort of overpower not only overpower but really decimate this person that was there to try and kill him or had thoughts of killing him. So uh, he, he does, he does kind of ride that wave pretty well. I'd say again, unsurprisingly, as we've talked about uh, numerous times here, Mr. Brown, just the, the, the bee's knees when it comes to this stuff. Absolutely. It's uh, just, yeah, like I said, great, great single scene performance for him. Uh, in this episode and uh, somebody else that I have uh, perhaps not been kind to in the fact past JLU reviews, that being 
uh, Mr. Robert Foxworth allegedly playing uh, Professor Ham- Professor Emil <laughs> Hamilton, though, as we've said, we have our suspicions over to his true identity. But uh, <laughs> again, him playing off of George Newbern as Superman in this episode um, and getting to the heart of how this, you know, again, if you if we've talked about it in the past when we review Superman, like Hamilton is like other than maybe Lois and Jimmy, there's really no other like more regularly appearing supporting character in that series than professor hamilton and so to find out that you know he had uh he had turned state's evidence so to speak and had had been helping helping uh superman's enemies the whole time and not just to hurt superman but actually hurt kara and hurt supergirl as well so it's like it's doubly personal this confrontation they have but you know as you said the way he lays it all out you you kind of have this moment where Superman doesn't have anything else to say because, you know, what did, <laughs> you know, he's laid out his case and he's, he's made it clear that he's, he's not going to be moved from this, this feeling and this opinion that, you know, the justice league are dangerous. Superman himself is dangerous and the world needs a, a Cadmus to protect them uh, from people like Superman, and and it's 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 a very good performance by Mr. Foxworth. So credit where it's due, even if I am remain suspicious as to the true identity of the character he's playing. <laughs> yeah, I I I do think it would have been interesting to hear the the original voice actor Victor Brandt do the mm-hmm. do the do these lines to hear just kind of just because he very much was in Superman the animated series, sort of the the Alfred of that show, like for lack of a better term, he was just not that he had the the quips and the sarcasm, but just he was a calming presence and somebody to play off of uh, like the intelligence for Superman to play off of. And, um, you know, the, the voice of reason and, you know, an ally, certainly, as you mentioned, you know, one of Superman's closest allies. So I do think it would have been interesting to hear this darker sort of, you know, villainous turn mm-hmm. for this for this character uh, through that more more calming, respectable voice that that Mr. Brandt had. But I think Mr. Foxworth does a you know does a does a solid job in 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 communicating his uh, his sort of. I mean, he's sort of he's sort of kind of getting back at Superman. It's sort of that sweet revenge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a- after this. And he, he sort of, uh, he sort of enjoys kind of sharing this, at least in the moment he has to put on this face. Like, you know, he's, he's this big tough guy, you know, mm-hmm. in front of Superman. So some of it I imagine is an act, but also some of it truly is that idea that, Hey, I'm, I'm getting back at you. Like you hurt me. I'm hurting mm-hmm. you back. And I, and I'm not, I'm not sorry about it. So I think Mr. Foxworth, uh, for what he was asked to do in this episode, uh, he does it, does a solid job. Agreed. And then uh, getting towards our, our main actors for the episode, we of course have uh, Amy Acker returning as the Huntress. And we already kind of mentioned this in plot, but I really, really enjoyed her in this episode. Like she's, she doesn't have as much to do as uh, you know George Newbern or as we'll talk about Combs, but interacting with the question and then interacting with Superman and her kind of just the she, how unapologetic she is mm-hmm. about it, but how also there's a little bit of pride because there's the moment where she's like, "Well, you you know you being such a Boy Scout is why I quit the Justice League," and, and Superman gets to throw it back. It's like actually I'm pretty sure you were fired. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh no. I'll find you, baby. Not here you won't. They wouldn't have bothered to dump his comlink unless they took him alive. It has to be Cadmus. But if they've got him, we'll never find him. Sure we will. We've been keeping tabs on Cadmus for months. We know exactly where they are. And you didn't do anything? The Justice League plays by the rules. We'll move when we have solid evidence, not before. And we'll move within the limits of the law. <laughs> That's why I quit. The way I remember it, you were fired. But you may have a point this time. So? So you and I will do this together. And we're doing it off the books. But I, I, I think uh, Miss Acker as the uh, as the huntress in this episode is is really really strong as well. And the, like the moment where she's digging through the garbage at the dump because she thinks the question's buried there, or you know the moment at the end when she's sort of when he's resting on her shoulder and and she's trying to kind of keep him conscious, or like there's just and even like we said some of the kind of the funnier quirkier dialogue where they're where she's trying to get him to be romantic and he's just so single-minded and and clueless so to speak i think like she's she's very strong in this episode i really enjoyed her performance yeah she's uh she is good i think i think the the toughest thing as you mentioned she you're you are she has to play off of uh jeffrey combs's question who is well as we'll talk about in a moment here is just fantastic but is certainly uh, one style of of voice acting and then you have george newburn who the, she plays off of for the rest of the the rest of the episode and he's very much a, a very different like cool calm collected as we talked about even in these sort of heightened cadmus arc stories where he does is required to show a little emotion we talked about that last week a little more emotion than some of the earlier episodes um you know he's 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 one of the big he's one of the big two of the series so mm -hmm. i think she, i think she more than holds her own um and and comes off like she she has some pretty good chemistry she you know their their back and forth sounds pretty natural um the idea that she's she's this uh this this prodigal daughter that is uh has come back to the justice league but only to uh in order to to find her her lover that happens to also be involved there it, it's uh it's pretty pretty strong from from miss acker throughout this entire episode and as you mentioned she gets to show a little bit of concern she gets a uh, you know some 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 good quips in there you know with superman and, and talking about her her place in the justice league and then the the concern with uh with with the question at the end and um and, and finding him so uh yeah there's there's uh there's some good stuff from her and i i think this is a pretty strong outing from her as well absolutely and then uh, we'll transition there to briefly touch on more on george newburn's performance in this episode as superman again a lot for him to do playing off of uh, of dana delaney as lois lane playing off of uh, of the question jeffrey combs and as well as amy acker and as mentioned robert foxworth as uh, professor hamilton so a lot of different uh, again we've sort of talked about this that uh, that uh, <laughs> superman is really is really being put through the ringer emotional couple of episodes and you know he kind of it feels like he has this real kind of not manic energy but this feeling of like the i feel like i'm taking crazy pills Mm -hmm. guy where he's like why is everyone like pointing fingers at me it's me like i know like i'm not gonna do this why are people so worried about this why are people helping these people do this to me to the justice league like i like he's just getting a little bit more exasperated as it goes but then even little things as we mentioned like 
you know, when, when, when uh, uh, Huntress is like, well, we'll never find him if Cadmus has him. And, and he sort of just spells out, no, we've known exactly where they are for months. We <laughs> just haven't, we just haven't gone after them because we don't have evidence yet. And so we're not going to, and again, playing back into the themes of the episode of we, we, pl- we, we're the good guys and we don't do things this way, but we're going to do things this way this time, because <laughs> I've decided I, as the most powerful man in the world, have decided that it's okay for the good guys to play this way this time. <laughs> and again, so just like the, the the dichotomy of how he's so offended, you know, when Lois compares him to Lex, he's so, you know, you know, he almost doesn't understand when the question accuses him you know, or, or or suggests that he might take the same actions that the Justice Lord Superman did. Yet we see him sort of compromising his own morals and his own, you know, his own beliefs at every turn for for whatever for what for this mission or for what it calls for in this case. So, like there, like like so, we see him kind of going through this, you know, this real like dark night of the soul, so to speak, uh, in this episode to. To, as he's uh you know professing saying sort of saying one thing speaking very authoritatively about i won't let this happen this will never happen because we're doing what we do in the best interests of the people but also yeah why don't we just go tear into a government facility because we think the guys probably think we think they may have kidnapped somebody <laughs> like <laughs> yeah uh i enjoyed his performance i think it- in the same way that we talked about Miss Acker, because he has so many people to play off of, it's it's a, it's a lot to ask for somebody to to come off authentically. I think his his interaction with the question in the in the conference room was is really 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 strong. I really enjoyed that. I thought that that and the the sequence that he has with Lois at the beginning, I think, are the the two two high points. I also did like the 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 brief encounter that he has. Uh, at the end with Chris Cox's Captain Adam, uh, mm-hmm. where he he kind of comes to the realization that uh, you know they had a little bit of a little bit of dialogue at the beginning as they're they're battling Mantis. We get some exposition about that, uh, but then his his sort of realization that the Captain Adam's not quite not quite on their side at the end. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was that was uh, a, a fun interaction as well. So yeah, really, really good stuff from Mr. Newburn this week. Uh, un- maybe unsurprisingly, as we've, we, we again, hand out to some, some pretty strong accolades <laughs> to him week after week, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just some really fantastic stuff. His side of that, that uh, Professor Hamilton scene is really great because he has these very accusatory lines again, dismissing, like oh one little scare and you you know and you betray me like this and you know yelling about how you violated Kara's trust and all of this stuff like it's yeah he's he's fantastic in this episode but let's get to the main event here Cal and talk about of course the great Jeffrey Combs the voice of the question and Doctor Hurt as it turns out <laughs> and uh, he's torturing himself in this episode but uh, but yeah this is uh, this is like the magnum opus question episode he obviously appears in quite a few other episodes as we've talked about a more memorable and more lighthearted affair in double date maybe your favorite episode of justice league unlimited but again just this this portrait that is painted and a lot of that as we've said has to come from uh jeffrey combs voice because his character does not have a face right. as, we, as we keep saying of this man who he's already, you know, wound very tightly. He's already a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a loon. And then 
it turns out, you know, he's right. There is a, a quote unquote new world order. There is a, a secret, you know, a secret government, uh, you know, group that's affecting these events and, and also, and, and then makes all of these connections and sort of just the, this portrait of a man that was already kind of over the edge, just falling deeper into the abyss and getting more and more insane as the episode goes. And of course they sort of add to that in the plot where they talk about how he hasn't slept or showered in days. And, <laughs> and he's just, he's just running and spiraling and, and just out of control. And, you know, to see him from the start of the episode when he's having those kind of quirky, fun interactions with, with Miss Acker as actress to the scene with Superman, to the scene with Lex, uh, just and just slowly but surely, or the scene where he's viewing the the footage of of uh, of Superman killing Lex in in the White House, like just the way he slowly when he's just talking to himself and he's like punching his conspiracy clipboard and sort of monologuing about whether or not destiny can be changed and all of that. Just he's got a lot to do in this episode. And my goodness, what a what a tour de force Mr. Combs put on puts on here. Have you seen Amanda Waller's computer simulations? Batman told me about them. Did he tell you all the models predict that a war between the Justice League and the government will devastate the planet? We would never fight the government. Not even if Luthor was the government? Predestined. Flash will die. You will kill Luthor. Armageddon inevitable yeah yeah you've you've covered a lot of it there it's 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 really 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 strong i think the 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 ask of a of him to to kind of communicate this i i love we start at the beginning of that ep- of the episode as he's downloading the information and it sounds very much like like he did when we last left him after he sees this video of of luther being killed by this superman uh he immediately starts talking in like incomplete sentences so like he'll just he just says phrases but doesn't it doesn't he isn't speaking in complete sentences he just kind of speaks broken sentences over like he keeps stopping stopping short and even when the huntress comes in and and starts you know asking him what's going on and why he hasn't showered and all this stuff he still continues speaking in broken sentences so he's he's used that dialogue the way that he delivers it to show that he's he's losing it he's losing it he has this information and he doesn't know what to do with it it's so overwhelming to him but then we cut to the next scene where he's actually confronting Superman and he once again has that sort of cockiness, the uh, as you know, as you mentioned, he comes up and tells Superman he needs to talk about his White House weenie roast. And uh, when they get into the, the the conference room, he mocks Superman over the fact that, oh, this is original members only in this area. Is that what this is for? And uh, so, you know, as he's sort of sharing this information and what he's seen, he slowly in that scene also begins to sort of lose it and become more and more unhinged. And and what, like, like we said, when Superman touches him and he has to gasp and hold, you know, can't believe it. And uh, you know, that he's terrified of this, this alien that might, might do him in the way that he just saw him do in the, uh, the, the president Luthor. And then uh, the dialogue between him and Clancy Brown, really, really incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. That maybe some of the most iconic lines in this Cadmus story arc are delivered delivered for him. A is A, Luthor is Luthor. Uh, that one, the 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 line back in his apartment when he first sees it, and it's not the future or n- not not the alternate reality. It's a time loop. 
And then he, he kind of asks himself, but also sort of asking the universe or God or whoever he's speaking to, you know, is the future immutable? Can destiny be changed? Will they allow it? And he's just mm-hmm. sort of like just delivered so, so well. Um, yeah, Mr. Combs is uh, is fantastic in this role this week. Uh, again, very, uh, very unsurprising. Uh, maybe if you've listened to this uh, this podcast, but I I love his turn as as the question. Perfect casting, uh, perfect delivery for for these lines and the way that he uh, he had to sort of share this emotion and be able to give it out. Even the torture scene as he's being mm-hmm. as he's being tortured and he's you know he's giving these conspiracy theories as the way that he answers. It's sort of this exasperated like deep pain that he's going through, but he's sort of coughing out these different conspiracy theories. I. I absolutely love it so yeah it's, uh, for all those reasons everybody this week uh, you know knocked it out of the park i didn't feel like i had a choice but to give it a, a perfect 10 out of 10. yeah absolutely same exact score for myself as well uh yeah there's uh, there's, there's not uh, there's not much left to say there's just you know i I, th- I was thinking a lot about how you know sometimes things are created in, uh, you know, inspired by something and then that thing then inspires future versions of the original thing mm-hmm. and in this case i was thinking about how the question was obviously you know le- being created by steve ditko who was a very weird cat mm-hmm. like and you know had very specific sort of you know it was a big was a big ayn randian guy mm-hmm. uh and and all that and then that led to alan moore and dave gibbons creating the character of rorschach mm-hmm. for the watchman series and how subsequent portrayals of the question have kind of led leaned more in on that. And I thought about like, there's no way you there's, you can't do in a comic book, you can do the, you know, the inner monologue, you can do Rorschach's journal. And a lot of, a lot of what the question says in this episode could have been, you know, would just be in a thought balloon or in a, in a little, you know, bracket on the side of the page. Mm-hmm. But but because this is a you know uh, because this is a cartoon he ha- you know one actor having to make it work where he is monologuing out loud to himself repeatedly and mumbling and and the way he works it where either he's shouting it sort of almost defiantly and he's sort of you know yelling at the world or even when he when he's leaving after speaking to Superman he's kind of mumbling under his breaths of you know inevitable armageddon time loop flash is killed uh like 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 and the way it all works even though again this would normally in a different medium this would be probably done differently but to have him have to audibly say all of this stuff and have it still work without feeling like you're shoving exposition at or you're or you're like beating the 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 audience over the head with hey this is how this character's feeling and thinking right now um just just a masterful performance and again it works perfectly because it's this this unhinged question character who was already a bit of a a nutcase and now you add in you know this grand conspiracy that he stumbled onto and you know uh, a bit of sleep deprivation and torture on top of it and uh, yeah just uh, just a fantastic job by mr combs as always a uh, hats off to andrea romano as the voice and casting director for all of these series uh, just uh, just a masterful choice to uh, to bring mr combs in and uh, from there cal i believe that will bring us to our final scores for this week as uh, tallying everything up i have a very 
final score of 35 out of 40. Yeah, we differed this week just in uh, in two categories, but my uh, my categories were ranked just a little bit higher in those uh, those two that we did differ on. So, uh, well, actually, no, we differed on one category, and that, <laughs> that category did, was uh, was two points higher. So, co- correct myself on that one. However, regardless, I ended up two points higher than yours. I came in with a thirty-seven out of forty for this, meaning back-to-back weeks here with top picks. This one goes into our top picks selection here. So uh, is there really any need to discuss rewatchability? I think this is another one just like last week where, uh, yeah, this is important to the DCAU. It has plot threads, as we mentioned, that are go far as far back as Superman, the animated series, not just with mm-hmm. Superman's pal, but with, of course, Legacy <laughs> also. And uh, and it's it's very important to the rest of the Cadmus arc, the rest of the uh, the DCAU as as whole. And, uh, you know, there are elements that uh, you could argue are, are still being played out today, even in the Justice League Infinity comics. So I'd say that, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a rather important linchpin episode. So uh, two thumbs up for me. Absolutely. No question about it. It's a, it's a huge episode and it's it's a literal cliffhanger, as we mentioned. So when next we uh, cover Justice League Unlimited, we'll be picking up right where this episode left off. So an absolute must watch as, uh, as we begin to wrap things up, thank you everybody for listening. Whether you do so, uh, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or of course on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, we do appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, a free way to do that, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever uh, venue you choose to listen to it on. And, uh, and if, if you're listening to it on an audio app, if it allows you to give us five stars and leave a review, that does help us out a lot. We'd appreciate that. Uh, you can also support us more directly uh, monetarily. There are links down in the show notes to this very episode that will show you how to do that. You can head to dcaureview.com and head to our store, or there's also a donate button in the show notes notes where you can uh, support us monetarily we appreciate people who choose to do so and uh, cal as we begin to wrap up march here um i i'll have to double check my calendar but i believe next saturday as of the time of recording if you're listening to this on its original air date is in fact april the first <laughs> it is and you know what happened last year on april fool's day something Something really, really strange happened last year. The 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 universe shifted, and we went from being in the the old detective comics comics universe to uh, to one that looked a little bit different with a lot of different heroes. Uh, one that may or may not be owned by Mickey Mouse. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure quite what happened, but it feels like things are shifting again here as we as we look forward to our second annual April Fool's Day episode. That is right, Cal, and we will be heading back to the the '90s Marvel animated universe for one week only. And uh, instead of a Spidey adventure this week, we'll be actually be seeing uh, one of the early Marvel animated crossover events. That being in the Incredible Hulk animated series episode, Helping Hand, Iron Fist. This episode, as we'll talk about next week, has uh, has a legendary place in both of our hearts. Mm-hmm. 
because it was one of the very few episodes of this show that we had on tape. But it it is great because it includes, uh, as the the name would would uh, suggest, it includes a special appearance by Tony Stark, aka Iron Man. So we have a crossover with the Incredible Hulk. We get some Hulk busters happening here. General Ross is making an, an appearance. Uh, this is a War real machine. Fun. War machine shows up. That's right. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's a fun episode. It includes some voices that uh, were recognizable from other Marvel shows. So can't wait to talk about all of that next week with you, Liam. It's going to be a very silly and fun April Fool's Day episode with you. That's right. So face front, true believers, and we'll see you next week for our special April Fool's episode. But until then, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll see you next time on another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.